You are listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast, a podcast where a couple friends sit and talk around the fire after everyone else has gone to bed. Grab a drink and join us as we discuss everything from famous explorers, artificial intelligence, and what is the meaning of life. Today we're going to be going through all the proposed amendments to the Constitution. So these are going to be amendments that made it out of committee, made it to the floor, but never actually got ratified to the Constitution of the United States. So there's a lot of amendments that get tried to be added in every year, but very few of them actually make it past that initial point of being introduced. We're going to go through kind of a list of ones that were introduced one by one, talk a little bit about them drink some beer. I'm drinking some bush light as one does when talking politics. Mike, how about you? What are you drinking? I'm drinking perhaps the most politicianal drink of all, Babylon bourbon. And uh, yeah, bourbon politics go together like gasoline and matches. Well, hopefully you don't die in a freak gasoline fight accident. <laughs> well, speaking of fighting, Nick, I think that leads you to the first one. So the first proposed amendment is the dueling ban amendment proposed in 1838 after representative william graves killed another representative in a duel and this would have uh, made it any made it that anyone who did participate in a duel could not hold federal office and if you want to go learn more about the history of dueling you can see our dueling pod or episode we did way back in the day honestly nick we should not ban dueling yep i'm uh i'm well, we should vote on them at the end. So should say should be added or shouldn't be added. I'm gonna give this a shouldn't be added. Shouldn't some people need to be punched in the face? Some one time, some people gotta get shot. We are pro dueling on this show. <laughs> That's something I never thought I would say or hear. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. What do you got, Mike? Well, following up was a idea, a amendment proposed by Albert Jenkins in 1860. Before the tensions arose between the North and South in the American Civil War, but it was an amendment to have two leaders, two presidents pretty much, both representing equal parts in government, a northern president and a southern president. And I'll have to say, Nick, I'm not for this one either. I could see two leaders, but this isn't how I can see multiple leaders. Yeah, multiple. Yeah, you'd have to have three so you could break a tie. Well, I can, yeah, I, that too. But I can see multiple leaders, but for the entire region, not just separated into regions. So either all of America, all of the United States, not just North and South, West and East. It's yeah. all or nothing. So I'm going to vote to not add this one. Nay, can't, do not add this amendment. <laughs> the next amendment 1863 the christian amendment would have added the god to the preamble of the constitution specifically the christian god and this one's going to keep popping up uh it's going to pop up again in 1874 96 and 1910 and again in 1954 and uh yeah so i'm gonna vote no on this one as well yeah, I'm a big component of separation of church and state. So, uh, yeah, I'm also going to hit nay on that one. And that is the exact opposite of separation of church and state. <laughs> Different times. Uh, what do you got? Well, well, that leads right into mine, the Blaine Amendment proposed in 1875, 
which would ban public funds going to religious purposes. It's uh, it's to stop the mainly at this time the Catholics receiving such funds. Uh, though it failed, many states adopted such ideas. So Blaine Amendment to ban public funds going to religious purposes. I'm gonna have to say, yay. I kind of think that's a good point. Public funds should go to the public, not just certain religious groups. Yeah, I'm going to say yay on that. I don't know if that needs to be a constitutional amendment, but I'm for it. Agreed. Maybe not an amendment, but also, again, separation from church and state. So the next one was an amendment proposed by William Mason that was going to give unmarried women the right to vote. And supposedly... It was added so that because husbands could vote for married women, but if women were unmarried, they had no man who could vote for them, so essentially they could not vote. However, once you got married, your husband could vote for you, so that a married man would have two votes and an unmarried woman would have no votes. Uh, On the the edge on this one, Mike, talk me. What are you thinking? I think if you're above the age 18, you can vote. Uh, How it's kind of weird how women didn't have the vote at this time so it's it's kind of hard for my mind to wrap around but uh if it makes more people have the right to vote then yay though it's a icky yay well to, it is just property owning unmarried women so it's not just anybody well i mean at this time but, there was no women really voting so i'm gonna say anything you can get yeah. take it i was messing around um yeah, well, I think we're past that point, so we, we appreciate the effort. <laughs> a per effort. Here's a gold star. Uh, one, which I think needs to have maybe an old episode by itself from just the uh, simplicity of it, is a amendment proposed by Lucas Miller that proposed renaming the United States of America to the United States of Earth in 1893. He also wanted to abolish the Army and the Navy hard pass i'm guessing this guy was on cocaine since it was legal this time and he was just out of his mind i'm gonna hit nay on that one i didn't know we had hippies back then (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) an amendment (laughs) abolishing the senate was proposed by shocker a representative in 1911 uh and his reasoning was that the senate was corrupt and useless to the country as a whole and would have also given more power to the House of Representatives to which this person was a member of. And then all of the the powers of the Senate would be given to the House, making representatives more powerful. And I think everyone kind of knows that representatives don't feel as important as senators, so it doesn't seem like there's any bad blood here. I'm going to go no on this one. What are you thinking, Mike? Uh, I don't like giving politicians more power than they have so i'm also gonna hit no on that one yeah so it's kind of a hard question it's like do you allow there to be do you want more politicians or do you want those politics do you want more politicians to have more power or less politicians but those less politicians have more power that's a lose-lose situation if i've heard one (laughs) what do you want to get hit by the baseball bat or the golf club uh 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 yeah that's a that's a hard one uh but i got an easy one for you the Anti-Misingeneration Amendment, proposed by Seaborn Roddenberry uh, in 1912, which would forbid interracial marriages. He 
apparently did not like when uh, people of different races got married. And uh, he actually kind of had a lot more support because, again, this is a time where people were kind of racist. But, uh, Nick, I'm just going to go ahead and say nay and let anyone marry who they want to marry. Yep, we're going to let anyone marry who they want to marry. And furthermore, we're going to do everything we can to keep government out of marriage. Don't know how they got involved in the first place, but they're here now. Let's not give them any more power into it. Aw, Nick, are you fighting for our right to get married together? Do I want more government overreach or do I want to marry Mike? That's a a hard question right there. (laughs) These are the hard questions that we're asking right now. Um, I got another softball, Mike. In 1914... A senator from Utah proposed the anti-polygamy amendment. Now, I think this is around the time when the Mormon church was the Mormon church was saying no to polygamy. When, and then some of the other Mormons left to go to Mexico where they could still practice polygamy. So I'm thinking this is around that time. I just think it's funny that a Utah senator proposed it, but they're also really <laughs> the only people who have to deal with polygamy, if I had to guess. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm indifferent on this one. Like you marry who you want to marry, uh, how many you get married. I, I, I imagine as a government official, I'd be like, all right, you get married. These are the certain tax write-offs you get. But if you get married more than once, you don't get more write-offs. It's like one hard line in the sand. Well, one that I kind of want the state to do because it would give power to the people and I am, this one I need to think about would be the Ludlow Amendment proposed by Representative Ludlow in 1973. This amendment would, I guess for better words, put a muzzle on the America's ability to get involved in war. So pretty much to declare war would be a public vote. So all the people of the United States would vote whether to go to war or not, not just, uh, not just the representatives, the senators, the House representatives, to vote on that. It would be in the people's hands, which I don't know if that it's both good and bad, and I'm indifferent on this one because I, I need to think about this one. What about you, Nick? What do you, what's your opinion on this? I think this is a, a good amendment. I think this could keep, this could maybe have resolved, you know, some of the hate of the Iraq-Afghanistan war and Vietnam war, if if it truly was a group opinion to go to war, then people might, you know, because it's their decision. Um, and then my thought is, obviously the biggest concern is, can our military still react, you know, quickly? I think the, the president would still have the ability to move troops anywhere and not declare war, but put troops into combat with 24 hours or without congressional approval or something so it would be you'd have 24 hours of the president and then maybe congress could act for like a week or so and by that time the national referendum would have time to get sorted out i mean how long does it take to set up voting booths and people to go vote i mean i feel like you could get that done in a day and any counting can mostly get wrapped up that day and then you know, they use the rest of the week to fi- do a final tally of the votes, I guess. I mean, we know a presidential election for the most part the next day. Maybe you expand the president's 
powers to say he has one week, he can direct troops for one week, and then the national referendum will decide the rest? My mindset is, I like the president idea of rapid deployment of troops is up to the president for like defense, et cetera, et cetera. But my thought process is putting the power in the people's hands is a good idea. I like that. But sometimes people are sheep. And sometimes it's unpopular to go to war when you should go to war. Sometimes there will always be a large problem. I mean, does anyone really want violence and, and death and destruction? I don't think anyone wants that. So I think majority of the time we voted down. But I imagine sometimes we have to go to war. For example, World War One comps in my mind. I imagine that was not the most favored for us going to war, but we still declared it and went. I don't know what the people's opinion were at that time, but from what I remember in history class and propaganda that some people, a lot of people didn't want it. So do you trust a large group of people, which I'm not the biggest fan of, or do you trust a representative like a politician, also not the biggest fan of? I I see merits to both sides, and I am indifferent. So I am shedding my vote for this one, Nick. I'm going to vote, especially now, with the voting technology we have today and the speed that we can get votes processed. Let's put the power back in the people's hands. I If it's it's either, like you're saying, group decision, and there's a lot of idiots out there, or politician's decision, and there's a lot of idiots in there, I'm going to have to go... Uh, group decision so the opposite of what we want to do today this is a maximum wage amendment basically saying no person can make more than one million dollars this is created in 1933 in the wake of the wall street crash basically as a response to the depression and being mad that the stock market crashed and when most people had nothing seeing those people who were really rich i get the sentiment uh I'm not a fan of the government saying what people can and can't have. Mike, what do you have to say about this? Hate the game, not the player. I mean, I no. The government should not limit you on how much you make. If you're putting in 80 hours a week, 52, uh, 52 weeks a year, the sky's the limits. It should, it, you should have no glass ceiling in no matter in as, any aspect of your life. And I don't, I don't like the government putting limitations on people on how much they can make. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that one. Well, speaking on how much you can make, another amendment popped up, proposed in 1933. Again, probably Depression era, so uh, they're all thinking about how to make sure our country doesn't go into chaos. Uh, it would be limit investment income. So that pretty much is, if I remember correctly, investment income is a lot like uh, uh, you purchase something like a house a uh, a car and over time that gains value and say you're a realtor and you hold that house while you find a seller you get that difference in between that like so say you bought a car for 30 grand the dealership holds it uh, holds on to it the car is now worth 50 60 grand they get the difference um it's pretty much just like they're pretty much a middleman limit how much a middleman can make which, again, I'm also not the biggest fan of, but I don't think it should be amendment, but I do think there should be laws in place to make sure there's not like corruption and changing that up. So nay on amendment, pro on some type of regulation or law. Yeah, I'm going to say say nay on amendment as well. Um, 
yeah, I'm not a big fan of limiting people's wealth, even if they have a lot of money, I guess. Um, Mike, this is a this is a good one. Do you want to read this one? No, my friend. This is all you as I sip this nice cold glass of bourbon. There were attempts to repeal the 21st Amendment, which is the 21st Amendment, which mandated the national the the alcohol prohibition, and it eventually it did end. Um, uh, sorry, no. So, fuck, mm-hmm. I fucked that up. So, multiple attempts to repeal the 21st Amendment, which the 21st Amendment was the response to the 18th Amendment. The 18th Amendment was the banning of alcohol. The 21st Amendment allowed alcohol to be bought and sold, produced. 21st Amendment ended the prohibition, and people made, wanted to make amendments to reverse that, to go back to prohibition, and multiple times between 1935 and 1938, as well as other, uh, what are they called, the people who were prohibitionists? Is Prohibitionists, the sure. The women who marched. I would like, call the them sick and mud, out- but you know. <laughs> fucking nerds <laughs> is what they were i think we both have strong opinions on this one mike i'm gonna hard pass on this one what about you if you're an adult you should not uh, be limited on what you can or cannot drink or put in your body the government has no right to do that so uh i am uh yeah that's what your wife is for <laughs> well depends if you're in utah then there's some different stipulations <laughs> that's what your wives are for <laughs> oh well, another interesting one about speaking of prohibition, this Bricker Amendment proposed in 1951 would limit the federal government's treaty-making power. It would prohibit prohibit treaties from violating the U.S. constitutional and limiting executive art, uh, agreements. So how I read this amendment is we can't make treaties or agreements with countries that do not follow our ideology so they so say example a country that doesn't have freedom of expression freedom of the press etc etc it would limit our treaties and agreements with them which i don't think i mean personally i don't think that's a good idea sometimes you got to do a little bad to do a greater good so sometimes you got to work with the devil to turn him into an angel so to speak so i'm i'm nay on this one um yes so I'm going to have to, I'm just reading a little bit about it now. It was, uh, I don't, I've, I don't think that's quite what it is. I think I it's think this is a point saying, to note. I am a fool with a capital F and I am not a lawyer, but that's how I read into it. Uh, when doing, doing a quick glance at it. Um, yeah. Do, do, do we are not constitutional scholars. Um, basically I think it's saying that, I think it's just saying that no treaties, Every, the treaties have to be signed and approved according to the Constitution, um, and it can't violate any the United States' laws. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm confused about this one because you, you shouldn't be able to sign a tre- like you shouldn't be able to sign a treaty that violates any of our laws of of how we the Constitution says you can or can't sign treaties or the. I think this one, Nick, we just say we don't know because we're not smart enough. Yeah, there's a there's a good, this is a good time to, if you are curious about the Constitution Law, there's a good podcast, I think it's just called Constitutional Law, um, 
basically what the guy does is he goes through no it's constitutional study podcast and he goes through random legal battles and and historical uh examples from stuff from the constitution and talks about it and explains it so people like me and mike can understand yeah we dumb dumbs at least i am a dumb dumb so moving on uh the 22nd amendment repeal would eliminate term limits for presidents um multiple presidents have expressed support for some sort of repeal shocker uh the first (laughs) the first time this is implemented was in 56 and because the first time we had term limits was after world war ii it was kind of universally approved after washington only served two terms that we're going to only do two terms and then eisenhower served three because we were at war and uh people were like we that was good but we don't want to do it again and uh so then we got term limits and some people want to serve for more than that very much in favor of this uh mike what do you think i think the term limits need to be addressed i don't think Eight years for a president's max is enough. I think, honestly, it should be two five-year terms, so a decade, 10 years, but no more than that. Definitely term limits on president. Definitely, I I am a strong supporter of term limits on politician positions. So, yeah, uh, so no, 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 more, uh, no more kings and queens. Let's have term limits on politicians. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I was thinking about that too because like Mexico has six years. Which is, why do we not want people to serve, like, for even, I guess, I don't know, like, five years seems like a distinct, you know, we had three-year terms and four-year terms, like, what, well, my, I don't know. my thought process just, is the two, uh, two five-year terms is 10 years, 10 years is a generation, so each president gets a generation's worth of changing stuff. Yeah, and this might be a debate for another time, but do you think people would pick politicians more or less carefully if they had longer times to deal with them the smart people would be more carefully but i imagine the people who would pick more carefully already doing that so i'm guessing the majority of people not caring would continue to do that i don't think anything would change probably right (laughs) can't argue with that logic well nick we are both uh for separation of church and state but this one there's one in the gray area where I can kind of see. It's the school prayer amendment. And pretty much it goes as the people retain the right to pray and to recognize their religious beliefs, heritage, and traditions on public property. That would include schools. And it has been proposed by a stubborn bastard who, I got to admit, I got to applaud this. He's a po- he, is a po- he has shown this off in 1962, 73, 79, 82, 93, 95, 97, and 2006. That's a that's a stubborn bastard right there. So you got to earn a little respect. I I'm actually I think four. I think you do what's best as right is the individual, whether it's prayer, whether if you're an Orthodox Jew, a Satanist, a Muslim, a Christian, a Norse believer, a believer in Zeus, you should have I think an established right of freedom of religion. And able to practice those religions, even if it's on school. So I'm actually, I think, from the basic re- I, I think this is important to point out. We are not going in depth in these amendments. We're just kind of looking at them at a glance. And at a glance, I think I'm for this amendment. Yeah, but I, 
I'm for it as well, but I would think that this would be covered under the First Amendment for the freedom of speech and religion. And I guess it's just clarify that this would be included on public property, which is government property, which should be especially free to practice whatever religion you want. You so, would be surprised. Yeah. The ineptitude of government never surprises me, Mike. <laughs> You've had your heart broken too many times. So, yeah, I'm for it. So the next one is a controversial, controversial amendment that uh, gets talked about a lot today. This is the Flag Desecration Amendment. It was first proposed in 1995 to give Congress the power to make acts such as flag burning illegal, uh, which would overturn a Supreme Court decision ruling that such laws were unconstitutional. And uh, I'm going to have to go no on this one. Uh, personally, I would never burn a flag, but I don't want to limit free speech, and free speech gives you the right to make an ass out of yourself, but uh, I don't think government should have the right to stop you. Um, really not a fan, but Mike, what do you think? I said it once, and I'll say it again. I am loyal to my country, but not the assholes who run it. I wholeheartedly love the American flag. My family has literally bled and died for it. So I am connected to the American flag. So it saddens me to burn it, but freedom. Let them, if they want to burn the flag, let them burn the flag. And whether this could be a bad joke or to be factual, but um, when American flag touches the ground, you're supposed to burn it in ceremony. You're supposed to never let the American flag touch the ground. So would this law, this amendment make it illegal to ceremonially burn the flag after it touches the ground just food for thought something to think about but i'm with nick it's freedom for all if you want to do it do it it's your right individual rights over group rights and i i think i, I said it but i just want to clarify again totally your right but it makes you look very spoiled being in one of the only countries that will allow you to burn your own flag that you're upset about something so much that you would burn the flag of this country when you could just simply leave. So I think uh, I think that's all we're going to say about that. Well, sticking with uh, kind of amendments near and dear to the original Constitution, the Bay-Seller Amendment, which was the closest the United States has ever come to getting rid of the Electoral College. It was supposed to replace the Electoral College with a quote-unquote simpler two-round system, which was, after, which was modeled after the French presidential elections, which already has me very hesitant when we're modeling off the French presidential elections when most of the world has modeled off their, our constitution. So it makes me a, a little bit hesitant. Uh, so I I need details on this one. I think, again, Electoral College needs some tweaking, but abolishing it, probably not. So this one, I am... Not casting a vote yet, because I simply do not know enough yet. What about you, Nick? I think we could sit here for an hour debating about the Electoral College, which that's actually probably a really good episode. Remind me to pick uh, up a new bottle a lot of, of history. bourbon when we do that one. <laughs> there's a lot of history and actually some pretty good reasons behind it that, uh, you know, when I was uh, young and dumb, I was totally like, oh, yeah, get rid of the Electoral College. You know, everyone should... That would give more people to write. And then after reading some of the stuff that the founders wrote, um, or after reading 
about the f- creation of the Electoral College, there's some really good points uh, in favor of it, uh, in favor of it being more fair to to everyone. And I think it's certainly open to debate. And I think we will definitely do an episode on it later. Um, so I'm not I'm going to abstain from this one as well. And uh, the next amendment is you had unless you had something else, Mike. No, just uh, I think the electoral college is a very unique beast that I think needs that needs to involve. Yeah. So the next amendment in '73, the Human Life Amendment, uh, was proposed in order to get rid of the Supreme Court ruling of Roe v. Wade and prohibit abortion. And uh, this comes up a lot. Um, and uh, I'm going to abstain from this one because we're not going to talk. I'm not going to talk about it, uh, Mike, unless you have something you want to say. Well, living in Texas, uh, probably an unpopular opinion considering the recent laws when this is recorded, but uh, I'm pro-abortion. So uh, I'll leave it at that. And um, I'll switch it to a different amendment that uh, I think we can all kind of agree on. A balanced budget amendment, which is it would be a rule that a state cannot spend more than its income. I am... I think that's a good idea as long as there's stipulant that a state can spend more than its income for certain stipulations. Like there's always got to be some bending to it, but not biting off more than you can chew. I think that might be a good idea for states. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, vote. Yeah, on this one, you know, I think stipulations such as natural disaster or something along those lines, but uh, not to not like California paying people to not murder people. That's uh, that can't be where your money is going. Yeah, if you throw around money willy nilly and just hope, I, I mean, sometimes you gotta spend money to make money, but it's the politicians controlling that money, so I'm guessing it's not gonna be used the best. Yeah, so and that's uh, this was definitely proposed by a state like Texas that gives more to the federal government than the government gives to them compared to California, that for being one of the richest states in the fucking... To being the fifth richest country, like, if you look at GDP, in world GDP, the state of California is the fifth richest country in the world and still be in debt. That's pretty fucking incredible. Like, your state makes more money than 100-something, 150, 190 countries. I mean, there's, what, 211 countries? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. 21611 something like that. There we go. So there's 190 countries, not states, not territories, countries that make less than you and you still spend more than all of them. You spend more money than 99% of the countries out there. That's pretty fucking incredible. And they have, and so they have higher gonna, taxes than a lot of those countries. <laughs> yeah, so I am for this one. Uh, yeah, uh, again, I'm for it, as long as there's certain stipulations. I, I, clear, defined stipulations, not open to interpretation. But, uh, yeah, I, I, yay for that one. Yeah, um, next one, this is, uh, come up again and again, term limits, congressional term limits for, um, federal officials, and, uh, yeah, um, supposedly... It was ruled unconstitutional, and so I guess if it was added to the Constitution, it would make term limits constitutional. Uh, I'm going to be pro this one. I think every position in the United States government, elected position, should have term limits. Uh, it's 
I think term limits should vary depending on position, but definitely term limits. Yep. I'm going to, I think more politicians should be modeling their careers after Cincinnatus. <laughs> you can check out that episode where you, uh, it's a Roman. They needed him. He left his fields, went to war, led, led Rome to war. When he, when everything was done and got back, he turned over all his power and went back to farming. He got in to do what he wanted to do and then left. That is uh, not how it works today. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why he was one of George Washington's heroes. So uh, uh, just yay. Just yay. I think we both agree at that. A hero's, a hero's yeah. hero. Just, just yay on term limits. I think we both agree on that one. Yep. Another one we probably both agree on is the single subject amendment, which proposed in 1996, which means constitutionally, if you're proposing a law, it can only be about one thing. You can't slide anything else in there. You can't build a bridge in Minnesota. It's that law and nothing else. You want to propose something else, you have to, you have to propose it as an individual, which I have no idea why this is not a constant. I, I feel like that's common sense, but then again, I am a fool with capital F, but I am for that. We should only have, when we vote on something and making a new bill, a new pass, a new law, should only be that nothing else so yay for me i'm gonna also have to vote yes on this one and i since this was in 1996 i'm trying to figure out the voting because i figure i of who voted for what because i feel like most of the people who voted against this are probably still in their positions lobbying you gotta love it money well, it was 96, so... That's Clinton era, right? Pel- Pelosi was there. Clinton was there. Uh, what's his name? Republican. Oh, with the big chin? Yeah. With the big chin? No, the bald oh. guy? That doesn't narrow <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of lifetime politicians. But if we had term limits and we didn't have bill... And the lobbyists could only, couldn't have those politicians underneath their pockets sliding bills into other good bills, then... Yeah, this is a little off topic, but I've realized in my short time on this earth of if the bill sounds really friendly and super nice and super like PG, it's probably a bad bill. Like if it's like, hey, help the blah, blah, blah people, there's probably a lot of bad things in it. Like they they usually butter up that name just to make it go over smoother, even though there's lots of evil things in it. So to have it only be that one individual thing. That would make my life a lot easier when writing to my congressman. And, uh, yeah, that just make it a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the fact that this is not is not a law, not not just a law, but an amendment, I think uh, is a failure on every politician's part. And we should let them know. Let's bring this back. The single subject amendment. Here, here. Hurrah. <laughs> um, so, our next amendment 2003 the equal opportunity to govern amendment which would repeal natural the natural born citizen clause uh basically saying if you've been in the u.s for at least 20 years you could become president or vice president um basically this was uh we want arnold schwarzenegger to be president since he was born in austria uh, the governator you might know him from such works as kindergarten cop and what other bad movies is Arnold Schwarzenegger? In? Uh, you beat me to the punch with Kinner Cobb. I was going to make a joke with that, but 
He's been in great movies too. Predator, Terminator. <laughs> Wait, are you not saying that Kindergarten Cop was a was not a great movie? It was a movie. It was funny. I would not classify it as fantastic, but it was it's it's a movie. <laughs> um this is a good one cuz I really don't know how I feel about this one. I I'll be honest, I am against it. I after seeing what China's done with the 100-year plan, those are patient motherfuckers. I imagine another country could easily do that, implement another false leader. I there are lots of yeah with with Chinese money, Russian money. How do you know how easy it would be to get into power? I applaud immigrants. They, to, in my experience, people who have come to America are the most American people I've met. But it's not worth the risks to me. I still think if you're going to be president of the United States, you need to be born in the United States. It might be a little old fashioned. But I've seen what other countries and their long-term planning of political power and the game of risk on this board that we call Earth. And I I think you need to be born for. So I, I am nay against it. I am for U.S. citizens being come president. Immigrants, some of the best people I know, put that risk of overthrowing power, it's too high for me. Risk versus reward. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm gonna have to agree with you there. I'm. Uh, Damn, did I just flip you that quickly with my statement? Good to know. No, I was, I, I was I was leaning that way. I could I could see it both ways, like you said, because a lot of the people, every immigrant I know, is more American than than a lot of people who were born here, or more happier to be an American. But China <laughs> and their ability. <laughs> To just play the slow game, uh, it's just it's a uh, it's a lot. Like it's um, what's that movie? They did a show about that. All the Russian sleeper agents in the U.S. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It was on uh, like FX or something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, sleeper agents are a real thing that happened in the during the Cold War and are still happening today. I'm not. You know what? Not gonna risk it. Just not gonna risk it. All right, let's let me let me throw you a slow pitch because this is a pretty easy one. The federal I the federal marriage amendment introduced multiple times in the United States, the first time being in 2003, would define marriage and prohibit same-sex marriage even at a state level. I am against that. If you want to marry who you want to marry and it's all consenting, marry them. I don't give a fuck. All right. Separation of church and state. This is getting weird. Why the fuck is the government so interested in marriage? I all right. You're a married. Is it really? Is it really that taxable? All right. All right. <laughs> I was gonna ask. You're the only one married out of the two of us. Is there a lot of benefits of being married rather than you know, gamb like throwing the dice on fifty percent of everything you own? But is there any like tax like benefits to being married? I don't know. No. Well, it really it really depends on your income level. Um, with me and my wife both working, it really is like a very like a 10 percent difference in taxation um i think it more the i think the benefits really come when one of you stops working to raise kids i i, I don't really know um i haven't seen them um my mom who's an accountant says it's more the benefit is on the lower end of the income spectrum you see a greater benefit but after a certain amount of money it's really nothing tangible and in fact i think me and my wife filed separately 
uh, because we would save more that way last year. Um, so and also again, these I, laws were made yep. in the 21st century. Who the fuck cares? Yeah, we're we're back. This is what 2006 right now. This is the. It was initially in 2003. It went all the way to 2006. It was at two thousand. Sorry, 2008. It was brought up multiple times. It's just it's weird that we are we're at 2003 to six. We've talked about term limits twice. Single amendment or single bill once. What was it? single bill once? Marriage like five I, times. <laughs> I don't understand what's the whole big thing of marriage. I I don't understand why that's on everyone's mind. You know, it's also very interesting, Nick. We have yet to come across any child amendments, like child labor. Like we have child labor laws, but no amendments of like tribal, uh, like kid rights. I thought that I just found that interesting. Well, you have to get married to get rights. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that's a true one. So, uh, I think I speak for both me and Nick. I am nay on this one. If you want to, you should not prohibit same sex marriage. Marry whoever the fuck you want to marry. I mean, you you do you. Uh, yeah, agreed. Our next amendment is just a, a conglomerate of campaign finance reform amendments, also known as some of the most boring but probably really important amendments on the list. Basically, that their the argument is that the First Amendment right to free speech prohibits the government from restricting what you spend on communications uh, because that'd be a restriction on speech. Um... You know, I here's the thing about uh, politicians. They're not voting for term limits and they're not voting to limit what they can or cannot spend on an election. So every time they pay, we pass campaign finance reform amendments, there's always loopholes because the people who spend that money help those people get elected. So there's no incentive for them to actually pass some kind of campaign finance reform that would actually limit the amount of money because then they couldn't get elected if there weren't loopholes so uh, i just because every campaign finance reform that's passed has had a bunch of loopholes and hasn't been effective and just creates more red tape and then even further buries who is helping who it's harder now to figure out who's financing whose campaign because it's you know buried under shell corp like all this weird shit so that they can move money around as opposed to saying the Democratic Party gave $100,000 to this guy's campaign. So I'd rather it be no restrictions and donors are out in the open, you know, above, I think, what, it's a, any donation over like $1,000 or something has to be made public. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think there should be any cap on it, but I am all for transparency. I think, again, there's always loopholes, but honestly... I think all donations should be, for a political candidate, be visible and open. I don't think you should hide that. Like, if you donate $50 or $50 million, your name should both be on the board of, like, these are the people who donated to them. I think, well, actually, thinking about that, I do like being anonymous, but... Well, and that's, and that's, uh, so there's two sides to that coin, right? So you have the one side, it's like, it's your decision. You should stand behind it. And the other side, looking at last election where people were pub putting, going through those accounts, finding people who voted for Trump and putting their, blowing up their Facebook pages and personal information, putting it all online. 
as a form of, uh, uh, would you call that? Doxing? Like, well, doxing, but f- with a political purpose. I mean... Well, that's different. That's Now we're stepping away like, uh, from the amendment. Now we're stepping onto doxing someone, which is illegal. Sharing someone's like personal information and asking for violence towards them is illegal. So that's... Well, it's not violence towards them. It's sharing their information and saying this guy voted for Trump. You know, he's for racism. Fire him from his job. It's not. It's just making hit the company he works for hard, like um, making it a pain in their ass to employ that person. Well, so there's no violence that occurs. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that does occur that goes unnoticed. But also doxing, like send someone like this is this is who so and so's name. This is where he works. I would classify that as doxing if that's not public information uh that's this is a conversation for another time but thinking about it i'm more for the and uh, the being anonymous so i uh, uh, the have a certain amount above that you have to disclose and say hey this is what this person did and under that you can be anonymous i i, I agree with that system that's in place and that kind of makes sense to me now now that i'm thinking about it i'm retracting my statement and i i agree with it more copy um yeah uh, it's when money and politics get involved let's get complicated yeah i think that's a whole whole separate issue that uh that we're it's not going to be solved with an amendment and i i think just realistically you can't limit what people are going to spend so like you know if uh what's his name george soros wants to donate you know a billion dollars to someone's campaign he's going to give what's whatever the limit is to a bunch of different super PACs to then donate so it's not you know they get the money either way it's just how many places they have to go through first i don't know well speaking of i don't know this next amendment i i i'm hoping you can help me out with this uh amendment would bar the government from imposing taxes on refusal to purchase goods and services the amendment would eradicate the individual mandate of pretty much having per- t- the person's legal necessity of purchasing health insurance. Yeah, so this is in response to Obamacare. Um, basically, what this said, so if you didn't purchase Obamacare, you have, so and, go, and you chose to go through like a private party, uh, you would still be taxed for your not purchasing Obamacare. So what this amendment said is that what they're trying to say is, if you don't use a service, you can't be taxed on that service. Well, the information you just give me, that's dumb. If if I don't buy your thing, I shouldn't have to pay for your thing I didn't buy. Yeah. Um, in other words, this is what most people would call highway robbery. Because if you don't pay that tax, the government's going to come get that money. Even if you didn't use anything. Ooh. I'm, now I'm thinking you'll be a great episode, the IRS. Just like super wins or don't fuck with the IRS episode. Because... Uh, you will lose to the oh, we IRS. Could, we could, we could, we could bring in, uh, bring Gretchen in. Oh my God! I would love to have her voice recorded. We might have to turn on the mics for that one. Yeah. So, and speaking of uh, money that the government doesn't have, Representative Randy Nugabauer. No idea how you say that's name. Uh, Mikey's from Texas, so. He proposed an amendment that would require two-thirds majority of Congress to raise the debt ceiling, which is the amount of money that the that can be the amount of debt that can be incurred by the U.S. Treasury. And uh, they basically raise it every year. It seems like 
to be able to pay for all the shit that uh, Congress is doing. And uh, not a fan. I mean, a fan of the amendment, not a fan of the raising the debt ceiling constantly, uh, especially when we, when China is the one buying our debt. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts? I don't like being in debt as an individual. Granted, I've never been in debt. I've been poor, never in debt. But uh, yeah, our congressmen don't really understand finance or they do but only personal finance so the idea of i mean if your idea of understanding personal finance is a lobbyist comes up to you says if you invest in our stock and pass this bill you're going to make a bunch of money then yes they are really good at personal finance hey i you know it don't hate the game uh don't hate the player hate the game uh yeah i i think i'm actually for this uh i am hesitant about it but requiring two-thirds which i think we need what two-thirds to go to war i think that's i think that's okay i think i think yay i am yay as well well one that i'm also confused once again nick it might be the bourbon might be me not understanding the fucking language used by lawyers is an amendment that would abolish birthright citizenship for the children of foreign nationals as a deterrent against illegal immigration. So how I read it is people who do not associate with a certain country, they're just people of the nation, their children would also be given up their citizenship. So you can't, if you're, if you classify yourself as a person of a nation, if you person of the world rather than a nation, then you're not you can't become a u.s citizen unless you go through the immigration process so this is in response to anchor babies i so if you have two illegal two illegal immigrants uh well i guess any if you have an illegal immigrant who comes in the united states and she gives birth in the united states that child's a citizen because he was born in the united states and uh, this would reverse that so saying both your parents or a parent has to be a U.S. citizen uh, for you to be a citizen. Basically, you have to have some what they want to do is to. people. So, yeah. So if someone comes over illegally, gives birth, and that child is a U.S. citizen, they can then bring their parents into the country, basically. So uh, later on, and it's in response to that happening a lot. That's where the term anchor baby comes from because that baby, no matter what, if, if the parents get deported, is a U.S. citizen who can, then their parents can come visit them and, and then stay there indefinitely, basically. Uh, yeah, I'm not for that. I, you should have at least, I think, one parent, a U.S. citizen before has so. Because again, I'm thinking if I have a French person who snuggled into a boat, gone to U.S. soil, has a kid with his or her partner, that kid's now technically both a dual citizenship of France and the United States. That that doesn't quite make sense to me. It's like two wrongs making a right doesn't quite work out that way. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a tricky issue because and it's this amendment will never be put in place, uh, right now, as however it could be rev- yeah, I just don't see this ever passing. I don't really know you know how I feel about it just because like we talked about previously with the foreign nationals becoming president kind of thing. Um, but 
because you could do the same thing, but this way, you know, if you're China, you could have a bunch of pregnant women come to the U.S. and then control those uh, people. But most most realistically, what this is dealing with is uh, people coming from the southern border and having someone, you know, born in the United States. And it's it's hard because you're trying to make a decision. Uh, what's it called? Non not emotionally, right? Logically. But a lot of the people who come up from that way are most of the time, uh, like we talked about earlier, more American than most people. And they're not, these people aren't asking to be presidents of the country, right? They're just asking for citizenship, for citizenship. So this is a hard one. If if I can uh, chime in here. Yeah. I think if you're two legal parents having a kid in, say, United States, I don't think it should be amendment that their kid is automatically a U.S. citizen. But I would say the process of becoming an American citizen would should be different versus, like, say, if you're coming from South Africa to the United States, you have to go through that immigration process. But immigration process of two legal immigrants having a child here is should be different. I, don't, I think that should be maybe a law, but not an amendment. Amendment and laws are, they have a Venn diagram, but they cross over a little bit. But amendment to me is like the final say. It's the the judge slamming the gavel. It's the law. I don't think it should be amendment, but I definitely think it should be open to interpretation by the law. Yeah, I definitely agree. This is this is not amendment worthy. Uh, it should be a law. But I, I'm torn on this one. I could go either way, and I definitely have to think about it more. That's a lot of these amendments, which I'm actually quite surprised of. Uh, a lot of these... Uh, Amendments are either ones that are head scratchers or marriage based. <laughs> uh, here's one that I think we're going to be for Mike. Uh, Stephen King uh, from Iowa introduced an amendment to repeal the 16th Amendment. Uh, the 16th Amendment allowed Congress to levy an income tax. So, an ab- abolishment of the income tax, which uh, is a tax on making money. I actually don't think I'm for this as an amendment. Oh, I'm I'm so for this amendment. I can't even. But this is ridiculous. You live in Texas. That's, Your income tax is fucking nothing. Would this income tax I be live, federal income tax or state in, income tax? Well, it was unconstitutionally to have an income tax before this, so it'd be both. All right, state and take state income tax. I can see federal income tax. Not so much. I, the taxes are important for society to run. Taxes are unfortunately a necessity for a society to run. Am I the biggest fan of taxation? No, but smart taxation I am for. So n- abolishing it altogether, I I don't think that'd be the best idea. Um, what if you uh, you abolish the income tax and made it? Everyone had to pay, I guess it'd still be an income tax, but it'd be like a 10%. So I think part of the, the 16th Amendment is that it can be apportioned by, uh, I thought it was that it could be apportioned like by how much you make uh, so that you could do progressive taxes and stuff like that instead of just like a 10% tax. Basically, uh, I thought as it reads now is that, let's see. Congress shall have no power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. So I think you would just abolish federal income tax. Yeah, I mm, 
it's either so here's what i here's what i think i am for this one because then the way the taxes would get to the federal government is the federal government would have to ask the states for their tax dollars in which case the states would then have to ask the their constituents for their tax dollars so by that logic what about states that don't have you're gonna pay taxes like like states that don't have state income taxes like their sales taxes yeah well here's here's what i'm getting at so you're you're only paying essentially you're only paying state taxes so every time the state has to ask for more money for the feds they have to sacrifice something essentially it's going to make the states and the feds fight more for your money so instead of you fighting the fighting the state and the feds both taking your money you're fighting the state for your money and the state's fighting the feds for your money in that way i think a lot less money would go to the federal government instead with this amendment the states or the feds bypassed the state and took, went directly from the consumer they started taking directly from us instead of from the states though i do love when the states and the federal government fight each other and i do think taxation is a necessity for society to survive i don't think this should be amendment this i could see being a law but i don't see it being an amendment again i amendment to me is like holy god it's like this is the final rule and i i can see both sides on this one so i'm gonna say i'm gonna stay indifferent and say i and then not cast a vote on this one i am pro this one uh because and my reason is this puts a further divide between citizens and the federal government and i think right now there's they're too close we look to the federal government for all sorts of things when in really reality we should be looking to the states. And I think just creating any sort of divide between us on a daily basis and the federal government is is good. The the federal government should shouldn't be every day in our lives. That's what the state government is for. We're supposed to re- interact with them and for things that they can't do the federal government provides. And I think this would can drive a wedge that needs to be there. And make the states, because essentially federal income tax is forced. I mean, we have little to no representation. I mean, we have we elect representatives who vote on it. But this would give the states, the states could say this is, you know, we have a, a an agreement with our state representatives or with our state government saying, hey, this is how much we're going to pay. And then obviously it differs for town because different towns have different property taxes and stuff like that. And if we don't want to pay that much... The, the states have to turn around and tell the government we're not paying it. With the income, the federal income tax right now, I feel like people are just being held hostage. Like we have essentially no representation because we don't know how much you're going to pay until the new tax shit gets turned out. I think there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of stipulations depending on the scenario. I see your point. I, I kind of agree, I agree with a lot of your points, but a federal tax. I think is sometimes necessary and it state tax also how that comes to the bodies of government. I think it's highly up for debate and I'm not quite sure of whether it's the federal. Well, we could always tax marriage. Oh God, God damn. That one would fly through Congress. Wouldn't it? Yeah. I, this one, this one I need to think about because there's a lot of variables in this one. So I, I am, indifferent until i come up with a better a better idea of it and you've cast your vote but maybe a little bit simpler one is a one introduced by robert culberson which would limit 
and alter Article 5, which is pretty much making amendments to the amendments, sometimes known as the Madison Amendment, would prevent runaway convention. So pretty much uh, from re- it pretty much would be amendment from making alterations to or replacing the U.S. Constitution. So no, so we had the Articles of Confederation. We got the amendments. We got the Bill of Rights. We're good with that, um, and uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna meet again. Uh, to, we're adjourning all of our <laughs> amendment making, I guess. So yes to that, but all but I still think you should be able to alter amendments if there's enough majority because i mean slavery would still exist if we didn't add another amendment to the constitution so i think sometimes you gotta go back to the board but to pass an amendment i think it has to be super high that's what i got from this yeah i'm gonna i think it's already hard enough to amend the constitution i don't think it needs to be harder um yeah and i don't think uh man i'd I just don't see anyone drastically altering or replacing the U.S. Constitution. Gun rights. I think <clears throat> if that, can you? I think if that happened, uh, there would be bad things would happen uh, before we had to before the politicians got involved. I guess after. Well, I guess that technically be after the politicians got involved. So I, since what when was the last the last amendment to the Constitution was? In our defense, there's there's so much, there's. There's there's so much. Wait, what? 1789? Or no, wait. 1992. 1992. It, well, it was ratified in 1992. Gotcha. Um, okay, so... 27? 92. So, yeah, it's been a while. That was ratified. That wasn't even a new one added. No, that was added, right? No, that was... Oh, yeah. It was ratified. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, we don't like... All right, we're... Uh, I think I can. We don't change it. Yeah, we don't. We lot. don't. We don't like change to our basic human rights. Well, I'll put it that way. I mean, they, uh, you know, the Articles of Confederation were a swing and a miss, but the Bill of Rights really knocked it out of the park. We've had to make some changes here and there, but man, not that many <laughs> important ones. But well, I mean, most were important. Various proposals were made by Republican members of Congress to basically. St- put a cap on the how many citizens a state could have as residents. Uh, not looking at any names, any states in particular that they were probably looking to uh, limit their size. But if I did have to guess... Hey, Nick, have you been to our hometown have, recently? <laughs> yeah, but that this state would have 51 electoral candidates. Is it 52? How many electoral candidates does California have? Honestly, I have no idea anymore. I... I'll be honest. New York, Chicago, California has—they've uh, broken my brain. Like with and honestly, I'm for this one um, because for those of you who don't know, looking at California specifically, you would never guess it, but California has the largest number of conservatives in any state. Now that's because they're so fucking big. <laughs> it's hard to not have that. Um, there's more conservatives in California than Texas, Mike. Well, we only so have the blue we as, only have the good ones here. As blue as California is, it's redder than Texas. Don't talk don't talk so, blasphemy here cuz uh we separated church and state, but we haven't separated church from my shotgun. So, I'm going to agree with this one because what happens to those Californians, especially in, in northern California, is uh they just have to do whatever the fuck 
the rest of the, the you know, it, California is such a huge state. I think it needs to be split up. Um, All right. A, a little, I, I'm just, this is getting off topic, but it's just, it's when one state starts hoarding 51 electoral votes. I mean, that's more than the Midwest. No, I'm, I'm one state. I'm just curious on how this is written because devil's in the details. So members of Congress to base congressional uh, portions, portionments on the number of citizens in the state rather than residents. I this is gonna sound I'm gonna sound very dumb, but fuck it. What's the difference between a resident and a citizen? Well, a, a resident is anyone who lives there, including illegal immigrants, right? I that's what I'm asking because if is a resident just a person who pays New York taxes but lives in California to work? Is that a resident rather than a citizen of that state? Uh, that's a good question. Sorry, I'll put it this way for this amendment. It should be the votes of the Electoral College should be based on people who are citizens of the entire United States. And you should only cast one vote, but citizens of the United States, not population. So if you have a bunch of Russians, Chinese, uh, South Americans, Central Americans, Europeans, Africans, Asians coming to America, those should not count towards your vote. It should be only legal U.S. citizens towards the vote for president, uh, congressman, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm, I, I'm just, I'm just trying to clarify this legal jargon of citizens and residents. Uh, but that's what I, that's what I, my, I'm for citizens casting a vote not for illegal immigrants casting a vote whether they come from canada because there's a lot of legal canadians here uh central south america asia europe africa that's what i get from that so yeah i uh i think that's what what they're talking about which i would have to agree i fucking love math i hate english this is this is I can't. I can barely speak English, and we're diving into the English language of law. God, send me to space. Bring me back to space. All right. Here's an easy one. Here's an easy one. All right. Al Gore introduced an amendment prohibiting the president of the United States from Al Green. Al Gore invented yep, the internet. Yep. Mike. Yep. Yep. You know that thing about English I just said literally ten seconds ago. Yeah. Al Green introduced an amendment prohibiting the president of the United States from issuing a pardon for himself. Well, I will pardon you for your faux pas there um yeah i'm gonna pass on that i mean it's hilarious right yeah that's i honestly did not know a president could pardon himself i thought it was everyone below the uh the the presidency i feel like this is a south park thing it really feels like it i'm not gonna lie a lot of these amendments feel like a south park thing yep so (laughs) i i am for the president not be able to pardon himself yep i'm gonna for and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say names, but did not have sexual relations with that woman. So that's the only president who's needed a pardon, right? Well. Actually, it was. There's a lot. It, there's a lot. Well, it was an impeachment, but it wasn't. Uh, he didn't. Let's just say everyone from Lyndon B. Johnson upwards. <laughs> also, yes. <laughs> um, so Elliot Engel of New York proposed an amendment that would prohibit barriers to adults uh, from voting by showing undue burden of proof or identity of citizenship, um, which would 
prohibit foreign interference in elections. So this is pretty much just so an ID to vote. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm for this one. Yeah. I honestly, I think you should enter your social security number before voting and then you're done. Like there's only one of you, you know, it's you, you're done. I, you don't have to show identification, but you have to type in your, uh, you have to like show your social security number or something like that and verify it's you. So, okay. Back to English on reading this. I think it's saying that they would remove an undue burden of proof for identity citizenship. So saying that you don't have to show an ID to vote. No, 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 no. I, I'm anonymous. I'm don't get me wrong, folks. I am pro being anonymous for many things, but some things you kind of kind of have to show face for. Yeah, if I have to show an ID to purchase a firearm and purchase liquor, both of which are constitutional rights, I'm going to have to do it for voting. Do you have to show an ID to get married? Uh, no, I don't think so. I just signed the paper and sent it to the state government interesting sorry this is just that's just a random question you have to have witnesses but i think the witnesses are those ids right i'm not i don't really know i've been to two i could have i've been so i don't know i've only been married once i can't remember if i showed id or not what's it i'll let you know on the second (laughs) damn it you beat me to it i knew where you were going we've been doing this podcast longer than i've been married fuck we have (gasps) just like a few weeks but. Our anniversary is longer than yours and your wife. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm going to tell her that next time I see her. Like four weeks. That, I'll take it. An inch <laughs> is an inch. <laughs> Man, if you had a wife, I'd say that's what your wife said. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking of like, oh, you've heard that one before, haven't you, Nick? Oh, we're getting to that point in the podcast. Well, that big glass I poured is all gone, Nick. So, yes. Well, we're almost at the end of the list. Well, here's another one on that list. Cedric Richmond introduced an amendment to appeal the penal exception clause from the 13th Amendment in the in the 16th, 116th Congress. The 13th Amendment being the amendment that uh, abolished slavery. So the pe- to repeal the penal exception clause. So I think, and don't, not a lawyer here, I think he's saying you could be in like an indentured servant due to penalty of law basically uh i'm not sure so, like, we're gonna pass on this yeah, one i feel yeah like. that the legal jargon no is not yeah is is too much for us um next up we got representative tom marino from pennsylvania damn i was gonna guess jersey for some reason i was thinking florida we were definitely thinking east coast <laughs> East Coast somewhere. <laughs> uh, change the terms of representative from the terms, so the like, l- term length, from two years to four with elections to be held in non-presidential years. Um, going to go, going to pass on that one. Uh, I do like the, I guess, the terms for representatives, the elections to be held in non-presidential years, because not everything gets tied in with a presidential election. But... Uh, Good try, you know, trying to get some more more years in Congress, but I'm going to have to pass. Yeah, I some sometimes less is more and less for term limits for politicians for the American people it tends to be a good thing for the American people. Well, here's another one. I, I think this is a good debate one. 
So this am proposed amendment would recommend the Supreme Court go beyond the customary nine members. So you could propose a different limit to the Supreme Court membership. So it would you could either set it as nine maximum or you could change it to 11 or change it to seven, which I'm not sure how many people should be on the Supreme Court. Definitely an odd number, just throwing that out there. But uh, I don't know where the nine originally came from in my history. I should definitely know that, but of why nine? I don't know. Okay, so I know more than your average bear, but less than your average human. Um, so A polar bear? As, as, as far as I know, this is my Supreme Court history lesson for the day. If you look back... Uh, our election of 1800 episode talks a little bit about the midnight judges. So uh, Adams, I believe, when he lost to Jefferson, tried to get in an additional number of Supreme Court judges at the very last day or like last week of his being in office. These are referred to as the midnight judges, and then Jefferson got rid of them. And then not sure the next time the court stacking happened, but I know it the next time for sure that I know it happened was um, Great Depression. What's his name? Uh, New Deal. FDR? FDR. Um, stacked the court to pass the New Deal and stuff like that. And then that was the last major time I know of it. Uh, so what I think the issue is, and th this is my personal opinion, is I think uh, FDR added like 10 or something, so it went to 19. Jesus. Something crazy. Um, but uh, don't quote me on that. I, someone did. Don't know if it was FDR. Like there's there's a ridiculous number somewhere. Can't remember who it was. But um, nine's a good number. It's been like that for a while. Let's keep it at that number and let's make an, uh, make an amendment to say this is the number. Because people... Uh, there's talks, even Joe Biden has talked about adding members to the court in a court stacking maneuver. And this is what happens every time people add to the court. As soon as the next politician gets in office, next president, they take seats from the court or add seats to the court to stack the court whichever way they want. I think uh, we need to get a number and stay there. You know, like Mike, like you said, that's an odd number for sure. But I think right now we've been the Supreme Court's been pretty level for the last, you know, recent history. Let's leave it at that because whoever adds or takes away is stacking the court in their favor. Right now, this is as natural, I guess, as you can get it without it being completely biased. I don't know what your thoughts are. An amendment to make sure that the Supreme Court members are at a certain limit, I'm actually for. Supreme Court is perhaps one of the most powerful and influential people in this country. I don't think we should fuck around with that to change the numbers to fit a agenda i think nine or 11 would be the best optimal numbers and that's it no more stacking no more adding i i, I agree with not adding or removing supreme court members just have a solidified number i, I think that's the way to do it because if not you can i mean you can just phone in uh phony votes that's it, it's disgusting but it's true i so i i am for limit I, a, a set number for supreme court members yeah i'd have to agree 
And uh, I don't have anything else. Unless you have anything. Wait. Wait, do you have anything? I do have one quick thing. For those listening, I am curious if they want to tell us an amendment they want to add to the United States. What amendment would that be? And Nick, where could they tell us if they want to tell us that information? You can find us on at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Reddit. And that's the question I was about to ask you, Mike. If you could put one amendment into the Constitution, what would it be? An amendment about privacy. That no agency or government official or no entity is allowed to pry into the private informa- the private life information business without due process. Uh, so- something along that lines. To shield the people from blanket statements like uh, the RICO Act or, or have people be classified as terrorists or just have massive government surveillance. To somehow protect people from that. We already have for protection of soldiers entering home, illegal search and seizure. It should I think the illegal search and seizure one should be broadened and more added to it. That's just off the top of my head. Uh what about you, Nick? Well, two things. One, to the second amendment I would add stuff about barrel length and magazine capacity. Silencers. Uh the fa- suppressors, the founding fathers probably didn't think that that'd be as relevant as it is today. Um, no, but my real answer is I would put some teeth in the Constitution, and my amendment would be if you're a politician who proposes and votes for, or not just proposes, if you propose and or vote for a law that is found to have violated the Constitution, you are no longer able to hold public office for the rest of your life and are terminated immediately as soon as that's found. So if it goes to uh whatever court and they find it unconstitutional and say and if it gets repealed you can hold office until it gets to say the supreme court or it gets or they choose not to accept it once it's been found unconstitutional with no chance of being turned over you are gone from public office forever and that includes lobbying yeah i i let's can we throw in a foreign government aid like a uh taking money from foreign governments too Back, I mean, yeah. back in the old days. Why not? Back in the old days, we called that treason, but let's let's add it to a new one. And I, I think that just give. I don't think people are as afraid of the Constitution as, as they should be. Not that they should be afraid of it, but I don't think politicians are as afraid of it. Uh, how many laws have been enacted that get overturned due to constitutional reasons? Every politician puts their hand on a Bible or whatever, whatever religion they believe in or whatever, and, and swears, swears on their life that they vow to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. And if you then go and propose a rule that violates said Constitution that you swore to uphold, uh, you you should be done. Uh, Unless I'm mistaken, uh, if I'm missing something somewhere. Well, I I, I got a question with swearing on the holy text. I wonder how much room are in those shoes so they can cross their toes. A lot. A lot of room. (laughs) All the room. Just a little uh, tongue-in-cheek joke there. So... Fuck them. That's why. Let's uh, let's get them out of here. <laughs> I just, but just, yeah. I just, just think about it though. Every gun law, it, the uh, what's it called? Freedom of expression. Patriot Act. Anything that violated freedom of speech. There's a lot. That were you? How willing? How how willing are you to think that this is a good idea when it could cost you your job? You know, as a politician, like you have to really think about it. 
and be for it. Because if it's found to be unconstitutional, you're done. You're going to have to get a real job. If And plus side, how many politicians who are in office right now have had their laws overturned? I know probably 50% of Congress has, right? That's our term limit right there. Yeah, there you go. That would work. Well, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to solve the U.S. government issues today. And with that being said, what are you reading, Nick? I am still reading The Savage Wars of Peace, Small Wars, and the Rise of American Power by Max Boot. Still a great book, just haven't had time to really make a dent in it. Uh, what about you, Mike? I am so happy we're in the same boat. I am still reading <laughs> The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Uh, I'm still going to be on this one for quite a while, folks. So uh, it's a good book. I have learned actually quite a lot, and it's scary on how many implementations of manipulation I've used in my life that I now come to realize that I enjoy slash use frequently. Sounds good. Well, give her, give those books a chance if uh, you didn't like this podcast. But again, let us know your guys' amendments if you have any good ones. Put above our socials and uh, yeah, we'll let you know what we think. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram 